This was so easy last week. <laughs> Welcome to Podcasting 101. Here we are, episode two. Yeah, episode two. What We've are, made it this far. What are we talking about today? Well, I think it would be, you pointed out, we didn't even say the church name. Oh, yeah. Oops. Didn't even cross my mind. But I think we should talk about the church that we see. Nice. So the vision. Yeah. And if you hear a little clanking in the background, we're just sipping on our iced coffee. Oh, yeah. So good this afternoon while the kids are napping. Amen to that. Hey, friends and family. Welcome to season one of our podcast, For the Love of Cleveland. My name is Leilani, and along with my husband, Caleb, we are thrilled to share our journey with you as our family establishes roots in Cleveland, Ohio. We are here to start a new relational church where people are our heart and Jesus is our message. As we connect with the beautiful people of this city, we hope to see our vision realized, a home for humanity in the heart of Cleveland. And we want to invite you into the story as it unfolds. So I can't believe we went all last week, all last episode, and did not say the name of the church that we are planting <laughs> here. And people are probably like, that's great. Where are they going with this? So yeah. our church name is Remnant Church. Yeah. Maybe we should spell that. So if somebody doesn't know. You can go ahead and podcast, spell it. Um, is it R-E-M? N- N-A-N-T? Yep. I'm kind of joking around. I know how to spell it. But. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, Yeah. So the church that we are starting is called Remnant Church. And the name kind of, I mean, we went through a lot of church names. I feel like we kind of used the process that we used when we like picked out kids' names. It was just like, what do you feel about this? Does this, does this feel right in your tongue? Like when yeah. you say it, does it roll off? <laughs> or, um, you know, it just had to like fit. And we went through a lot of church names. Oh, a lot? I only remember a couple. Well, I mean, we threw we threw around a lot. A couple we that were we just actually... Throwing, we were just throwing a lot of wet noodles at the wall just yeah. seeing what would stick, right? Yeah. yeah. When we were just like brainstorming. Yeah. Yes. But Remnant, Caleb said it. And he's like, what about Remnant? And I was like, oh, yeah, that that feels right. It feels a little nostalgic. Like, both of us grew up in church. And so, like, it felt mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit of honoring that traditional nostalgic feel of church. But also, like, a fresh enough word that, like, could resonate with people nowadays. Yeah, I agree. It kind of had some balance to it. Yeah. So, I definitely appreciated that. Yeah, and so, in this episode, we're, we are going to just share what we see in this church what our vision more on our heart um and and do that because i think it's kind of just this foundational piece that we want to lay at the very beginning so people do know our heart yeah um, exactly and, and know our goals and i say goals but you know just how we're gonna try to or how we're gonna reach people and what we want people to feel when they have um, encountered our church or encountered us or even as the church grows, people from our church and Mm -hmm. how they're going to see Remnant Church, Cleveland, Ohio, and experience it, even if they never come in the four walls of our building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I think maybe we should just kind of talk about some of the the values and 
uh, the things that we see this church being about. I mean, we have like a couple of statements that really resonate with us. Would you say that we you feel like we have a really clear vision statement or we have a really clear vision thought? Yeah, maybe that's a good I mean, way to put it. We know what we know what we want to um, portray, and we know what we want to say, but picking the right words and all of that, I think it takes time. Yeah, I feel like words will settle and we'll fill it out. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're like rushing to having like a very specific set of words as, as a statement yet, but we have some some phrases and some some words that really have a lot of meaning behind them that have helped us kind of communicate what we see the church being about, what it represents. So do you want to share one of those? Um, could you jog my memory? I got a lot on my mind today. (laughs) What's on your mind? (laughs) No, No, we won't get into that. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm just joking. Should I, should I share some scripture? Sure. Yeah. Let's start there. Let's start there. Yeah. So, so for me, um, one of the things that really resonated with me that was a kind of a sounding board, I feel like, of, you know, kind of a beating drum of like, this is what this church will represent that I think meant a lot to me. I don't know about you. Does it mean a lot to it you? It does. You know that. Okay. Yeah. So to me, it means a lot. And um, what what I want to look at is a couple passages and we won't spend a lot of time reading, but I do just want to share these and kind of bring a couple of points out of them. But in Luke chapter 15, I think if you've been around church, you know, much at all, um, you've probably heard this passage. You've probably read this passage. Um, Even if you haven't been in church, you're probably familiar with the story. But this is the story of the prodigal son. Um, And when you start in Luke chapter 15, Jesus actually tells like three different parables, but they're all connected and tied together. And sometimes we isolate them. Um, sorry, at the moment, we we have our dryer going in the background. It's making some noise, so we forgot to close our laundry room door. Um, but back to the verse, sometimes we isolate these parables and we don't see the importance of how they're connected together. Yeah. Um, and so it starts off, Jesus tells the story uh, of a shepherd who has 100 sheep and he loses one sheep. And we're very familiar with the phrase of, you know, going after the one, you know, leaving the 99 behind, going after the one. Um, And in this in this parable, Jesus talks about how the shepherd left the 99 sheep who were safe, who were protected, who were guarded. And he went and he found the one sheep that was lost and brought it back to the fold. Um, And it's just a powerful image of how Jesus is our shepherd. And we see that represented in the way that he cares for us um and then in the next parable we see um a story about a woman who has 10 silver coins but she loses one and in a modern way you could say she turned the house up she (laughs) she was she was searching all through the house looking high and low (laughs) flipping furniture i'm sure sounds like me looking for my keys yeah exactly i think we've all been there we've been like turning the house up trying to find our keys at some point um but this silver coin that she had was so valuable to her that she she was just searching and turning up her whole house trying to find it and and she does and she rejoices when she finds it um and jesus says in this parable in the same way 
there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Just one person would celebrate that much. um, Or if if just one person was saved, like all of heaven um, and all the angels in God's presence rejoice that much. And so I think that's a really powerful statement. But that's what leads us into the parable of the prodigal son. And when we read this story, the, they give us he gives us a picture of a family. There's a father and there's two sons that he has. And one of those sons, who is older, he does everything the father asks. He's, he stays with his father. He's obedient and, and everything through the end. But the younger son decides to be rebellious and he wants his inheritance now and he wants to leave his father's house. And so the father you know, gives him his inheritance and that son goes out and wastes all of it. And then when he has absolutely nothing left and he's eating with pigs, he's eating pig's food. Um, I'm just giving you the snapshot. But he's literally in the end, he has nothing left, no friends, no family. He's absolutely, completely poverty stricken and has no food to the point he's eating pig's food. He comes to his senses and realizes that he could go back home and be a servant in his father's house and would be better off than he is now. And when he returns home, his father sees him, he rejoices over him coming back, he celebrates, and when his son proposes the idea of being a servant in the house, the father doesn't even acknowledge it. He's It's just a ridiculous notion. No, you're my son. You are yeah. going to be treated like a son. I don't care what you've den- done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what titles, what labels have been placed on you. You're still my son, and you're home again, and we're celebrating that, and you, and this is where you belong. And at the end, towards the end, you kind of see um, a little bit of insight into the older son's reaction. And it says that, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. And the servant said, your brother is back. He and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Um, or in some translations, it says, because your brother who was lost is now found. Um, and the older brother, his response is that he got angry. He got angry that this was happening. And the reason is because he had been faithful. He had been obedient. He had stayed and done everything his father asked. And then his his younger brother, who was rebellious, who left, who wasted his inheritance, gets celebrated and treated, you know, like he had been a faithful son when he came back. And the father, when he's talking to his son, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And the father, the father doesn't, you know, talk to this, to the older son that like everything that the older son did was pointless and a waste. But the point is that the life of that younger son was so important and so valuable. We have to celebrate that he's back, that he's found again, that he has life again that he's come back home again. Um, he is where he belongs. And we have to celebrate that. Like, there's no other response to that, regardless of what he has chose to do with his life. Um, and so what we see, I feel like what we see here is Jesus 
kind of pointing a finger at us a little bit. And he's saying, I, I'm giving you an example of what I would do. Like the shepherd, he goes after the lost sheep. That's what I would do. And then he gives us an example of the woman who finds that lost coin. He's like, that's what I would do. But here's how you guys treat your own brothers and sisters. That when they are rebellious, when they make bad decisions in life, when they waste their inheritance, they screw up their life, when they run from God, when they're sinning and, you know, doing, you know, things that we consider horrible, awful, unspeakable sins, and we look down on people for that, Jesus is pointing the finger and saying, you're like this older brother, because what I want to do is I want to chase after them and do everything possible to make sure they come home. And the reason I know that's true is because if we look over in Philippians 2, in Philippians 2, when you go down to verse 5, starting at verse 5, um, we're told, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so here we have an example of this son leaves the father's house. He's lost. Nobody knows what's going on with him. Nobody chased after him. When I read this story, that's really what stands out to me is that you see that when a sheep is lost and it affects somebody's livelihood or just, you know, we know in today's age, we have a lot of value in our culture, in our society, in regard for animal life. You know, you could see that in that passage that one lost sheep is so valuable that we will leave all the other 99 and go get it. You know, money is so important to us. We work so hard. We earn and we gather and we get everything we can. Um, and even our society is built around uh, money and, you know, how much money you can get and what you can afford to, you know, pay for yourself and provide for yourself. Um, this woman in that passage, she loses one coin and she's turning over her whole house trying to find it. And then when this son, a human, a brother, is lost, nobody goes after him. Nobody's turning up the house. Nobody's turning up the city. Nobody's searching far and wide trying to find him to make sure he's okay and bring him back home. You know, and so you look at this brother, he's mad that the brothers that the younger brother comes home and is celebrated. And that is the exact opposite attitude that Christ had. And in Philippians, it says we should have the attitude of Christ that that he didn't consider himself like he didn't consider equality with God as something to cling on to, but he came as a servant. And what he did as a servant is he came to seek and save those who are lost. Yeah. And he is the example of the older brother that we deserve to have um, and the example that we should follow. So for me, when I think about Remnant Church, I think Remnant Church is going after people. We're not waiting for people to come to their senses. I don't know. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of passage. Um, yeah. But it's good. Uh, and I think 
when you shared that um the way you saw the passage of the prodigal son um it did it resonated because we want to be out there there are people that are lost people that have been hurt by church who will who may never come back into the doors of a church because yeah. it has the title church or because it has uh, the denomination of Christianity or whatever, whatever it may be. And so it is going to take work to go and look and search and help those who are lost to find their way home. Um, Cause sometimes people don't come back, you know, the prodigal yeah. son, he came back on his own because he was at his low. Some people hit their low and turn to other vices. And so it's not necessarily. Um, well, we we have all known somebody that we're like, oh, they're at their low point now, and that that was not the bottom. No. And and you just wonder how low can a person go, and and that's really why I feel like this resonates with me because growing up, I feel like kind of the common idea in church was that eventually somebody will hit rock bottom and come to their senses and turn back to God. Um, and we're we're waiting with open arms at the church when they do, um, but well, we're not out there like really pursuing them. Well, I think you have to meet people where they're at, exactly. and so that's that's like maybe the big point. Like you're gonna meet people where they're at. Not everyone's coming and coming to the church, you know, to have reconciliation. So meeting people where they're at. I feel like it's even more valuable than just having your doors open as a church mm -hmm. because there are people that are lost. And when you think of the idea of being lost, there's no sense of direction. When you are lost in the woods without yeah. a compass, lost, you know, wherever, there's no sense of direction of, well, I should be heading back this way because this is where home is or this is where I came from. Exactly. And so... I don't know. We're like a rescue team. All I can think is like <laughs> rescue rangers and like, we've got one, <laughs> you know, like, let's go. We know their location. We, we know where they're at. And so we're going to meet them and help them. Yeah. And I think even around the idea of meeting people where they are is not so much. Here's, here's somebody who's lost. I'm going to preach to them and make sure that they get converted. You know, I think sometimes I've seen, I've done this, I've seen other people do this, that they're so focused on, we need to get people back to God, which we do, that we don't take the time to have relationship with that person. Right. That like, now they don't feel like they're seen as a person, they're just seen as a number to check off, as like an objective to achieve, um, as just another person to convert and not really care for, not really, um, you know, mend and, um, you know, love and... Uh, walk alongside of um, and I remember uh, several years ago I kind of started saying a phrase that like what I wanted my life to be about is I would be somebody that maybe I'm not stuck in the pit anymore but I'm I know how to get out now I, I've been brought out of a pit so like I'm willing to jump into that pit and get dirty with them and help them see how to get out. Yeah. So not and not to say like I want to get back into sin, but like I'm not afraid to get a little dirty. I'm not afraid of like you know the analogy of a cat that like if they they have a thorn in their paw that like it's good to take that thorn out, but you might get scratched in the process. Right. You know like I don't mind working through that difficult time of building relationship and trust with people who are lost and far from God and who have like been hurt by the church, all these different scenarios, it's worth the endeavor. It's worth the sacrifice. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, that kind of reminds me of what the church we've been going to has been talking about, about building community. And it's so important. It's so important to build that relational um, connection with people because you can go out and preach all you want, but until people feel trusted or feel humanized, you know, like you said, like people before they're anything, they are Mm -hmm. human. And we have to see that. We have to see that before any mistake, before any title that they've given themselves or have been brought onto them, they're human. And we have, you know, a very big heart that we love people because they're human first and they're always going to be human first yeah. before anything else. They're created um, in the image of God. Yeah. They are valuable because they are yeah. made by God. And growing um, your faith, growing your spirituality, growing, you know, whatever it is, it's always going to take place in community and relationally. That's oh, yeah. where you see the biggest growth. Um, I worked for a psychologist and she always made the point to say like, I could do one-on-one sessions or coaching, but people get more value and they grow faster when it's done in community. And I think that's, that's something that's really big for us. Like we want to have a place where people will grow their faith in community. And it looks a lot like walking alongside of each other through struggles, through the happy, the, the joy, the sorrow of life, because we only get one life and we we need to do it with people yeah. who are beside us because it can get lonely and that's when when loneliness sets in that's when desperation and discouragement can set in and take your life on a whole different path than if you had people with you oh yeah yeah definitely i mean i think a lot of times in church we want to program everything we want everything to be just perfectly fit perfectly together and have a step-by-step program and everything work like that. And we want people to fit into everything like that. Right. And the reason we want to do that is because we don't want to really have relationship with people. We don't really want to get to know each other. We don't really want to sacrifice for each other and provide for each other and support each other. It's easier if I can come up with a program and I can have you go through this program, I could stay a little disconnected from you. Um, even, you know, as some, something as simple as, you know, discipleship, discipleship is a really critical part of the church. And Jesus gave an example of that, but all the discipleship he did was in relationship. Yeah. It didn't happen, you know, distinct or separate from that. It happened within relationship yeah. and each of those people who were going through the exact same process with him, who had the same level of access of relationship all grew at different rates and different paces. Yeah. They each had ups and downs and a journey that they went on with Jesus, but he was with them through that journey. And I think that that's what's really important to us. Yeah. So at Remnant Church, we definitely, I think relational or relationship is at the top of what we would consider one of our culture codes or like what is going, what our church will be known for. Oh is yeah. Relationally, um, I mean, how many people have not not only that you just hear about, you know, all the time, but people we have personally known who talk about how they've been hurt by a church, yeah, or been hurt in church, right? Like, I cannot even imagine. And some of the stories that I've been told, and you know, the experiences that that, that people have had, it just shows me that relationship 
with people, you know, between people as the body of Christ is not a priority in some churches. Yeah. Um, I don't want to blanket statement and generalize, but right. we, we've all kind of seen what church's priority can be, you know, depending on, you know, where it's at and what they're about. Um, we want relationships to be a priority for us. Yeah. Need genuine, true, authentic ones. Yeah. And I think that's part of the process of us starting this church is we wanted to get to Cleveland to start building relationship, not necessarily to be like, hey, we're starting a church or, you know, mm-hmm. we wanted to get to know the people. And I think we have done that through work and community events and things. But even in this next year, you can always go deeper. You can always ask questions. You can always search for the people who are alone or who have no friends or even the people who do have friends and, mm-hmm. you know, put on fronts. And so I think like with that being our number one, I, I wouldn't know if that if that's our vision, but it's definitely one of our... Um, well, I know we've kind of been saying the phrase that this is going to be a relational church. Yeah, a relational church. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just going to be one of our driving points for our church. Yeah. Um, it is. And, and ultimately, like, we, we believe that this is family. You yeah. know, the word remnant carries with it the connotation of being the family of God. Like, we are God's family, and this family is ever-expanding and adding new members every right. day. Yeah. Like, this is not a closed circle. This isn't a closed club. Like, you don't have to pay dues to get in. It's no, not this exclusive. Is, it is not exclusive. <laughs> no, this is a family. And when you join this family, like, what or what, whether you want to be in this family or not, like, we will have a friendship with you. We will yep. have a relationship with you. We will care about you. We will know your name. Like, maybe we can't give you everything that you want and everything that you need, but we can give you love. We can give you compassion. Respect. Respect, empathy, honor, all yeah. of those things. We can we can give you that. And so, and ultimately, we can show you who Jesus is, which yeah. is, you know, I think more valuable than any material thing we have. Yeah. Yeah, so one one thing I I wanted to bring up, I know we're getting closer, you know, to the end of this episode, but while we were listening to the message at church on Sunday, I kind of had the thought pop into my head, just kind of these three points, um, that we belong to God, we belong together, and we belong to gather. Yes. And so to kind of explain that, do you want to explain any of them? (laughs) Um, You can (laughs) can go first. I can go first. So to me, I, I, I feel like, ultimately as a believer we belong to god we're joining his family yeah. we're his son his daughter we were created and designed and made by him and ultimately when we accept christ as our savior and we come into his family like we're returning to the one who knows us inside and out um knows everything about us and loves us unconditionally and so ultimately we we belong to him yeah and then we belong together. And I feel like we kind of, we've if we can stress this point more, <laughs> we would. But together is relationally in life, not yeah. just I'm leading you from above. No, I'm leading through my life and relationally and just every day what it looks like, what it what it looks like to be a Christian, what it takes, what it um is and what it means to have a relationship with Christ and to grow in that. I think like we walk that experience and that journey yeah. out together. Together, our yeah. ups and our downs. When I'm down, you pick me up. When I when you're down, I'm yeah. there to pick you up. Like we lean on each other, we support each other, we encourage, we correct, we love, and you know it doesn't matter. Like you sin today, 
I'm here for you. Right. You know, I sin tomorrow, you're here for me. Like, you know, I fall short, you fall short. It doesn't matter. If we're succeeding, we're on the mountaintop together. When we're in the valleys, we're in the valleys together. Yeah. And and that there's no condemnation in it. It's more so a connection. It's it's a reconnection to the truth and to life, not necessarily to condemn anyone of their life, their lifestyle, their choices, anything like that. And it's and it's all of our life. Yeah. You know, all the encompassing aspects of our lives, the the you know, the jobs we have, the the families we have, our our kids, you know, the the experiences we're we're going through. Um, celebrating the victories and the joys of life together and mourning the sorrows yeah um, and not being alone like like we're living all of life it's not just about a church's program that we're doing together we are like in life in the the mess in the joy together yeah and that that takes it to the last one to gather which I think is very important and maybe my favorite <laughs> I mean who doesn't love to gather and to hang and to yeah. I just feel like there is, and as introverted as I am, I do love gathering with yeah. people. And it's it's refreshing, especially when there is growth in yeah. the relationship that you're gathering, you know, yeah. in or with. Or I think with. even for me, I've just seen so much of church over my life that was about us on the inside of the church. Those who are in, it's for us. It's about us. It's about our preferences and our interests and like what worship songs do we like and what type of preaching and teaching do we prefer and what style do we want to have. Like it's all about us. Like it's got to fit on my timetable and with my schedule. And I've just seen too much of church that just becomes inwardly focused where in my mind we belong not just together but we belong to gather. This is, like we said already, it's not exclusive. It's not closed off. Yeah. This is an open family. And yeah. we're not going to stop looking for those whose heart are ready to see Jesus or, you know, the people that we have the opportunity to, rep- to represent Jesus to. We're, we are looking and we are searching and we are making every effort to bring more people into this family. Yeah. Because it, it's not full enough. Yeah. Not full enough yet. Not until everybody is here. And and to kind of maybe to cap it off, you know, I've been saying this for many, many years now. And it sounds a little bit cheesy, but I feel like God's heartbeat is people. Yeah. So people. I got to emphasize it. People. <laughs> I told you it was a little cheesy. It is a little cheesy. But, but, I, but I believe it is. God's heart is for people. He created the garden and Adam and Eve in the garden because he wanted to have relationship with them. Yeah. And walk with them in the cool of the day. You know, he created Eve to be with Adam because he didn't want man to be alone. He wanted them to have a relationship together. He told them to grow their family because it wasn't exclusive to those three. He wanted more people to join in. Well, I think any aspect of life is all relational. When you think about your life, promotions, you know, just everything. like How vain and empty is anything in life if you don't have somebody to celebrate it with? Celebrate and just relate to. That's what it is. Like, I can relate to you because of this. Or, you know, we can relate to each other. And I think of, like, our family dynamic. And, like, every family dynamic may look different, but it's still relationally based. So, like, marriage, children, extended family. And it's all relational. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
I don't know. I'm excited about this church. Me too. A new relational church. It's a home for humanity in the heart of Cleveland, Ohio. Yep. So, well, we will be back next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See ya.